Hey, my name's Alex, and welcome to Alex Listens. This is the place where I talk about things like philosophy and politics and race and identity and mental health and that kind of stuff. So, it's been a little while since I've released an episode, and that's for no particular reason, I guess. It's just been a little while, and I've been distracted. Um, but today, I I guess I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad to be back in front of the microphone. I need to keep reminding myself that this is my project. This is the thing that brings me so much. And it's very strange that that we often take huge breaks from things that are very important to us. But yeah, I guess this is just all part of the experience of being a person. <laughs> um, but anyway, today I am going to be talking about something that will be very familiar for uh, most of my listeners, because I guess most of my listeners are in settler colonial Anglo societies. And one thing that is deeply woven into the fabric of identity in these societies is alcohol and not being sober, I guess. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about my experience as someone who hasn't participated in this culture very much and who has always been resistant to it um, and who has been rejected by it um, and been alienated by it. Uh, Yeah, so I guess a few of the things that I'm going to talk about are why I'm sober Um, And I guess I'm going to limit the discussion to alcohol because uh, maybe another time we will move, we'll broach the topic of other other, um, things that take us away from sobriety. So yeah, I'll begin by talking about why I'm sober. Uh, Then I'll talk about it's the relationship of my sobriety to my depression. And I suppose depression is the reason why I don't drink, or one of the reasons why I don't drink, and haven't for years. Um, And then, yeah, I'll talk about the pressure to drink in Melbourne, and also in London, the two places where I guess I have uh, existed as an adult. Um, And then I'll talk about alcohol as escapism, and as something that I've... It's a vessel for people to kind of take themselves elsewhere. And I've really noticed that among my friends and, um, yeah. And then finally, I'll talk about alcohol as a social lubricant and what that means or what I think it means. So, yeah. And before I begin the episode, um, just a quick note or a few quick notes. I have updated my website, so you should go check it out. I think it looks really pretty and cool. And I think the color scheme is really nice and it's really fast. The server is so fast, so you won't have any time. You won't be waiting for anything. Not that you were waiting in the past, but it's even faster than it was before. And because we're all, you know, young, hip people who don't want to wait around for slow technology, this will be, you know, a delight for all of your eyes. Um, And otherwise, if you're enjoying Alex Listens or anything else that I do, Oh, by the way, my website is www.alexalekas.co, so check it out. Yeah, um, and if you're enjoying anything that I do, including this podcast, uh, which I guess is the main thing that I do, you can support 
the project in a number of ways. You can do so via Patreon. Um, thank you to all of the people who have become patrons thus far. There are 14 or 15 of you, um, and I guess you help me afford everything, all of the expenses, uh, because there are many for running a podcast. Um, and yeah, I guess the more support I have, the easier it will be for me to dedicate more time. And that's an important thing. Uh, so you can support it through Patreon. There'll be a link in the bio, but also on my website. Um, or you can uh, support me through PayPal, and that's very easy. There's no kind of ongoing uh, subscription. I guess Patreon is more of a monthly thing. Um, or just follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Alex Listens or on Facebook at Alex Listens Project. I'm more active on Instagram, so follow me there. Or send me an email, contact at alex.co. Wow. Cool. All right. Well, enjoy the episode. All right. So the first thing I said I'd talk about were my reasons for being sober. And I guess we're immediately presented with a weird kind of tension, right? That we have to have reasons for being sober. We have to have reasons not to participate in the consumption of alcohol. And I guess, yeah, that, that's something that's made me very uncomfortable over the course of my, um, my adolescent and adult life, that my choice not to drink has to be justified and always has to be justified. People are always probing um, and they are wanting to know why and they want to know what's wrong with me. And uh, I'm seen as this weird kind of, I guess, yeah, there have been lots of different things that are um, associated with my sobriety. And I guess I never drank in high school. Um, I think the first time I ever actually had alcohol was like well over the age of 18. Um, And that if you're from Melbourne, that will be Probably that that will sound quite strange because there is a really strong culture of alcohol consumption, especially in Melbourne's inner north. Uh, Everyone drinks. Um, And I guess that's the main thing. Alcohol is the main thing that social interaction revolves around. Um, Now, that's not the... The question that I was going to answer was why I'm sober. And I guess... There are a few reasons, partly, I guess the main reason is that kind of irrespective of how much I drank, I would always develop these amazingly powerful and crushing hangovers, even like, you know, one standard drink or something over the course of a few hours, I would have a terrible sleep and wake up, uh, totally, um, miserable. And I wouldn't be able to kind of do much the following day. So maybe there's some kind of alcohol intolerance or um, allergy that I have that I'm not really familiar with. But that's one thing. Um, And what's amazing is that when I tell people that, that most of the time they're like, yeah, same, I get horrific hangovers. Um, But the thing I don't, I've never really been able to understand is, Although I guess for me, the calculus is pretty easy. I would much prefer to be functional every day of the week than I would be, than I, then to have a few hours of kind of this, like, I don't know, like blissful delirium of intoxication 
and then be totally out of action and totally have to recalibrate and move towards some kind of try and move back towards some homeostasis for days because I guess that's how long it takes for me I really feel thrown out of whack and maybe I'm just extremely sensitive to alcohol but maybe not Um, maybe many people have really crushing hangovers Uh, yeah so that's that's one thing Um, the effects of alcohol are really potent and really crushing for me that's not the main reason though the main reason why I don't drink is because of my depression and if you've listened to the podcast before if you've listened to any of the episodes about depression you'll know that I have really struggled with depression for many years and it has been um, something that I've spent a lot of time trying to explore and unpack through therapy um, and it's something that has got in the way of many of my many of the things I enjoy including this podcast um, it makes it hard for me to do things and when I drink there is often this uh, I guess like 30 minute period after I first start drinking where I feel, you know, the classic symptoms of, I don't know, like alcohol, you know, you feel kind of relaxed and, um, you know, you feel a bit more liberated than usual and you feel, um, you know, you laugh at stuff more, whatever. But then I would tip over very quickly into this horrible mood of despair and, sorrow and self-pity and self-loathing that was just that would totally ruin the experience and often I would go you know to I don't know like a gig or something or to a bar or whatever it was with my friends and the first like I don't know hour 30 minutes or something would be great and I'd be like I'd be really enjoying the experience and then all of a sudden I would go silent and I would feel really heavy and really upset Um, and most of the time I would leave quite early Uh, and I guess I have a reputation for not (laughs) for not staying out very late Um, and I guess yeah in in my normal day-to-day life I actually don't stay up very late because I know that evenings are particularly difficult for me Um, I get even more depressed. And so I actually go to bed really weirdly early, like, you know, at 9 p.m. most of the time. Um, And like, maybe that means that I'm just like this gigantic man baby who never really like left baby circadian rhythm. Um, But I guess I think of it as like, you know, some kind of awareness of my needs and my mood. And I, I guess by being asleep, in the evening, I kind of dodged, you know, the low energy uh, instigated depression of the night, which is what I experienced. But yeah, I guess I don't, I don't really know too many people who have the same, who have felt so depressed from alcohol so quickly after having consumed it. I guess most people, you know, hangovers are kind of very troubling and very upsetting and you know you feel terrible and you know there's all this regret and whatever um but yeah i guess for most people i know it seems like the hangover 
is the following day. But it seems like, for me, (laughs) the kind of depression of the hangover comes between 30 and 60 minutes after actually consuming any volume of alcohol, even very, very tiny amounts. And I think I've, I think the reason why even such minute amounts of alcohol are so kind of triggering for me is because I know that I can feel so bad from drinking alcohol. And so, you know, it could just be this amazing placebo, you know, from half a standard drink, I feel terrible. Like that's, that's wild. Um, but it's true. I'm not lying. Why would I lie about that? Um, yeah. So I guess that's why I'm sober. There are those two reasons. Um, I guess there are, there are a few more that maybe they'll come up later though. Um, so yeah, I guess one is that I get terrible hangovers Two is that it makes me extremely depressed. And I guess the third is that, um, I'm not sure that I, I guess, yeah. One of the things that I said I was going to talk about was escapism and alcohol. And I guess many people I know turn to alcohol partly as a social, uh, a feature of their social life, an important feature of their social life. They drink because other people are drinking and they drink because um, it's nice to share, you know, this kind of yellow, golden, amber liquid with people, beer. You know, I, I don't, I don't really like beer, but a lot of people like beer. Um, and I guess, yeah, one, one other reason why people drink is because of its kind of, uh, it's, it dissolves reality in this very, it cannot, can often be in a very pleasurable way, momentarily pleasurable because, you know, the following day is full of interesting feelings. Um, but I, I understand why people turn to this drug, why people drink alcohol. Um, but I think that the escapism through alcohol, uh, I think for me there, you know, there have been times where I've been really depressed, um, and I've kind of, you know, gone to catch up with some friends or something and had like some drinks in the park and it's just made it so much worse um mixing kind of sad and sorry feelings with alcohol um and i wonder i wonder if one of the symptoms of or one of the contributing factors to our generation's uh increased reports of mental health suffering and mental illness um, is the fact that in Anglo countries, you know, um, Australia, the UK, America, where there is this kind of rampant alcohol consumption culture. um, I wonder whether people, whether we would be better off if instead of this culture of alcohol consumption, we had a culture of openness and sharing of experiences of suffering. Um, because for me, the thing that's helped me kind of surmount my depression hasn't been alcohol. In fact, alcohol is terrible. Um, and like, I, I guess it's terrible for me. Um, and I haven't had, I guess many people have asked me how long I've been sober for. And I guess really I've been sober since, 
Um, I guess I've been fully, pretty much fully sober since the 1st of January, 2018. So that's a long time, over two years, um, nearly three years. Uh, but before that, I didn't really drink very much either. I guess there were some periods of time um, where, you know, I was more of a participant in kind of regular you know, social <laughs> interactions, which involved alcohol. Um, but I've never really been, uh, yeah, I've, I guess comparatively I've had pretty much no alcohol. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, I haven't, I don't come from a family who drinks. Um, neither of my parents drink and my dad's side of the family, excluding my dad, are Muslim. Um, and they don't drink. So there, there isn't there. I haven't really ever felt a very strong uh, familial association with alcohol, and I'm sure that's been informative because I never really saw it around the house, um, or when I saw it, it was, you know, uh, a celebratory thing, like it was someone's birthday, and everyone would have a glass of wine or something, um, or like some strange Eastern European really potent um liquor there's this macedonian one called rakia um r-a-k-i-j-a and my baba my maternal grandma kind of vowed um that it was like you know the elixir of life and i think my mum might believe this as well that you know like whatever kind of ailment you have it can be remedied with this like really potent alcohol but yeah, I guess that's kind of former Yugoslav logic for you. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess so far I've covered a few of the things I wanted to talk about. Why I don't drink, why I'm sober, um, and its relationship to depression. I guess I wanted to say some more about this whole escapism thing because I think it's really, I think it's really important to talk about this. And I think that this might be one of the most essential and absent conversations in countries where young people and old, older people turn to alcohol as um, medicine and as like a social medicine. Um, because yeah, I think, you know, many people drink when they're feeling down um, many people get drunk to escape, uh, troubling times. Um, many people don't know what to do with their time. And so they drink, um, many people don't know or don't have social activities that exist outside of alcohol. Uh, and yeah, these are all real and genuine and troubling things. Um, and I, yeah, I guess because I am, uh, I guess, kind of critical of Anglo-alcoholism and Anglo-alcohol culture, um, I'm probably, um, well, yeah, you know, I, I live in Australia and I live in Melbourne and there is, <laughs> I don't know, like, I guess alcohol is a huge part of life here. Um, and so it feels quite strange to speak so critically about it. Um, and it's, it feels quite strange to make the claim that it is or that it can be associated with escapism because I feel like, 
you know, even the premier, Dan Andrews, the premier of Victoria, Dan Andrews, you know, one of the, he, he keeps getting asked like by journalists, like when people can quote unquote, get back on the beers. Um, like, you know, that, that's the question on the, the tip of like most people's tongues, I, I guess. Um, yeah, I've seen so much, uh, excitement about the opening up of, you know, venues and stuff. People are, yeah, you know, it's, it's a big part of people's lives and I'm not mocking, I'm not mocking those people. Um, it's just not a big part of my life. Um, and I don't see it being a big part of my life. So yeah, this whole escapism thing, uh, yeah, I, I guess it feels like, it feels like because alcohol is such an important part of Anglo fab of the fabric of Anglo life, Anglo Australian life, I guess. And also in London, I mean, everyone, I almost feel like the culture of alcohol consumption is even stronger in London. Um, and there is literally no socializing that occurs outside of the context of alcohol consumption. Um, and like whenever anyone finishes work, <laughs> it literally felt like this in London. Whenever any person finished work, like they'd go to the pub. Um, and like, yeah, I guess it was kind of hard for me to meet people while I was living there because, um, you know, so much you'd meet someone and you'd be like, Hey, let's hang out. And they'd be like, yeah, cool. Let's go to the pub. And I was every time I'd be like, Oh, come on. Like, can we just like go to a park? And they'd be like, yeah, we'll like bring, take some beers to the park. And we go, Oh, please. Like, I mean, I'll fine. I'll drink my fucking sparkling water or whatever it is I drank at the time. Um, oh yeah, I guess one benefit of, uh, not drinking alcohol is that you get to kind of acquaint yourself with all different kinds of, uh, non-alcoholic drinks. I guess I'm not very adventurous and I mostly just drink water. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, this escapism thing, I think it's very important that it's very important and it's not spoken about the fact that people turn to alcohol to flee their life, to flee the suffering of their circumstances, to free, to, to flee, to free themselves from the shackles of their actual of reality and that's what alcohol does it briefly and it's i mean it doesn't really free you right like i guess you're still you you just don't really experience being you in the same way um and maybe things feel better and easier for a little while um yeah so i don't know i i want there to be more of a conversation about that and especially young men and just men in general. Most of my male friends, uh, I guess in recent years, I've really tried to surround myself by men, surround myself with men uh, who are emotionally attuned and who are, um, who regulate their emotions through mechanisms that don't involve alcohol or don't always involve alcohol. Um, yeah, and that's been really important for me because and I guess, yeah, it's important for, for society in general, for men to regulate themselves in ways that aren't totally dependent on intoxication um, and escapism. So, yeah, I think I hope that I hope that there is more of a dialogue. There is more of a conversation about 
escapism and why and what alcohol represents for people, because I think that's really missing at the moment. I think that there is this culture of silence and quietude and quietism around alcohol and people, no one, I see, yeah, there are very few people I know who kind of demonstrate compulsive behavior around alcohol and then admit that, you know, it is coming from, um, it is, it is being driven by the desire to be elsewhere and to be kind of taken away from their reality by alcohol. So, yeah. Um, and I guess it's very hard. It's, that's a very hard thing to admit because alcohol is so woven into the Anglo social experience that it's probably alcohol as escapism and alcohol as socializing. Um, I imagine the line between those things are blur is blurred. Uh, and I guess we don't really, we, by when I say we, I mean, Australians, we don't have a very good culture of respecting boundaries that people have. No, I don't really know many people who have respected the boundaries that I've put up around alcohol. Um, and you can see it by people's reactions when people, when I meet someone and they say, oh, hey, like, can I, you know, whatever, can I get you a drink? And I say, no, thank you. And they say, oh, why? And I say, oh, I don't drink. The default response is like, oh, fuck, what happened? Like, are you okay? Were you an alcoholic? And no, <laughs> no, that isn't what happened. Um, it, yeah, I guess it makes me depressed and makes me feel terrible. And, um, yeah, I recognize that I recognize the attraction of it as a means of being deported from your, uh, suffering by this substance. Um, so yeah, I guess, yeah, that, that, that is one, uh, example of how poorly socialized we are to understand and exist around alcohol. Um, and I guess also, yeah, you know, there's immense peer pressure. Uh, I was kind of, I had this strange reputation at high school, um, for being sober. Um, I guess it was, you know, a very big part of the high school experience at the school that I went to for alcohol to be consumed. That was a big part of it. Um, on weekends, whenever there were kind of social gatherings, alcohol was always there. And I think, I think I was unfortunately given this label of being this kind of arrogant person who thought they were above alcohol consumption. Um, and I mean, that, that's, that's not true. I don't think I'm above it. Um, and it, it's not coming from a place of arrogance. I guess it's coming from I feel like it's coming from a place of, um, of care for myself and fear that I will do damage by drinking. Um, I'll do damage to my mind and to my mental health, um, which I have painstakingly tried to guard and shield and protect and nurture. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess one other thing that I, I wanted to talk about was alcohol as a social lubricant and what that reveals about people's capacity to socialize and, 
and maybe people's unaccepted and unrecognized anxiety. Um, yeah. And alcohol is like, it's a fantastic social lubricant. Um, in the past, I used to be a very socially anxious person, I guess less so now. Um, and yeah, alcohol is great. It, it really helps. It really kind of smooths the transition into social life. Um, you know, just like go on Google and look up like symptoms of alcohol or like, I don't know, side effects of alcohol consumption, or maybe not side effect benefits. <laughs> I don't know what they're called effects of alcohol consumption. Um, yeah. And you know, there's kind of this, uh, delirious warmth that you feel and, you know, you've, you, I guess there's this kind of semi brazen confidence that you feel and you feel, yeah, I don't know. It's very easy to feel love around people. And I'm not even talking about being drunk. Um, I'm just talking about at least, yeah, in my experience, like any kind of consumption of alcohol, um, is very calming. Um, and like almost soothing and like makes it, I feel like it's easier for me to relate to people. Um, and you know, I get, I'm not in my head as much and I'm not really analyzing conversations and I'm, I'm not kind of, I'm not socially anxious. It kind of, it silences the social anxiety a bit. It kind of calms it down and it makes it, it makes the social encounter a smoother and more enjoyable encounter. Um, and I guess for me, upon realizing that that's what alcohol did for me, I kind of, um, yeah, I just, I tried to understand what I wanted to get out of social interactions. And that was a really weird thing to do because I don't think you can really do that. I don't think you can see social, unless you're like a sociopath or something. Um, I guess it's really hard to quantify the social interaction and see it as this transactional thing where one person gives something and the other person gives something else. Um, but yeah, I guess what I learned was that there are some times where I feel more able to socialize than others. And that's when I socialize now. I mean, there is, I think in the past, I didn't have much of an awareness of my moods and how they contributed to my experience of being a social person. Some moods, you know, when I'm feeling low or when I'm feeling like I don't have much energy, I know now that I don't, I shouldn't socialize then because I won't enjoy it. And, um, yeah, it will kind of put me off socializing for a while. Um, but now I guess I'm better at drawing boundaries. So when I'm, when I feel like I want to socialize, um, I socialize when I don't feel like I want to socialize, I don't socialize and I don't rely I guess, yeah, one thing that hasn't, alcohol isn't a part of my life and hasn't been. So I don't have it there as a crutch. And I guess that's why I've um, formed these, uh, I've tried to kind of undertake this introspection and look into myself and figure out when and why I socialize and when and why I want to socialize. And I would encourage all of you to do that um, just as like an experiment. Um, if you think you are a socially anxious person, um, I am, um, I still am. If you think you are, pay attention to the moods that you feel around times where you do decide to socialize. Um, and I guess just know that it's okay not to socialize. And you know, FOMO, the fear of missing out is a very real thing. I guess we've all felt it, but 
um, it's bullshit. It really is bullshit. It's like a very crippling fear. And I guess that itself is a manifestation of social anxiety. Um, yeah, I guess I want, I want people to feel like they can, they don't have to socialize all the time and that they, there is, they can enjoy their own company. Um, and yeah, I guess that's another thing that I link, I, I link to alcohol, this kind of, uh, reticence or this, um, kind of inability or reluctance to spend time alone, fully alone, sober. Um, yeah. And I guess people, I guess there are, you know, many things are intoxicating, right? Like watching a movie is kind of intoxicating. Um, I don't know, reading a book can be intoxicating, drawing can be intoxicating, but yeah, I guess it feels like many people I know really struggle to be alone. Um, and I guess, I, I don't know, I'm an only child and I've spent a lot of time alone. So I feel pretty, I guess, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes. Um, but yeah, I feel, I feel okay about being alone and I want people to, you know, feel like that's something that they can do. Um, yeah. Okay. I think I've spoken enough about sobriety, um, with respect to alcohol. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. I hope, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, as usual, get in contact with me in any way. If you have any thoughts or comments or questions, um, you can contact me on Instagram at Alex listens or send me an email contact at alex.co or follow me on Facebook at Alex listens project. Um, yeah, have a lovely day. Bye.